The following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 31, Oshkosh 2012, behind the scenes and what really happened from those who flew in and camped out the entire event. Our picks of the week and more coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Rick Felty. Carl Valeri and Len Costa. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast, episode number 31. I'm your host, Len Costa, and joining me on the show today, as always, are my favorite group of aviation wise guys. Hey, forgot hey. about it. <laughs> wise girl. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. Oh, wise in the wise girl. Sure. <laughs> Starting first with Mr. Carl Valeri. Welcome to the show today, Carl. Hey, thanks. Uh, it's a wonderful day here in New Jersey. Nice uh, green, lush uh, plants outside, and I'm enjoying uh, a little bit of wine with my uh, podcasting friends. Well, then, that's not the only lush thing happening in New Jersey. Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> okay, that was bad. Okay, Lord so. Lord help me. <laughs> who's next? This could be corny tonight. Uh, Victoria, how are you this evening? Bob I'm... Toria, actually. I'm sorry, I have to introduce Bob Toria. We have a yes. very special uh, guest. That it's Bob Toria today. Uh, my husband, husband, oh, Bob is gonna help me out with my topic. She can't handle it herself. Awesome. I can't. It's just too much. <laughs> I can't even open a jar guys. of jelly either. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Poor girl. Hello, Bob. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Len? <laughs> Good. Uh, Rick, my man. Yes, sir. From, this, from your secret underground lair. <laughs> from the summer studios, located summer. Uh, somewhere near actually a really cool airport right right down the road here, Katema, on uh, Martha's Vineyard. Um, a gra- beautiful grass airport if you ever get a chance to fly in there. That's where I'm at for this episode, and happy to be here. Wonderful. And I'm Len Costa, joining you once again from the Stuck Mike Avcast World Headquarters here in uh, southern New Hampshire. Let's do the pre-flight. And uh, we've got a quite a fun show today. And starting off with our announcements, Carl has something to share with us first. Oh, yeah. And, and actually, I don't think I've mentioned this before, but I started a new podcast. That's ABC true. You didn't. Podcast. I haven't actually mentioned no, that. You teased it and in one of I the other episodes. I did tease it once, and I never say anything about it. But, uh, you know, I started a podcast because, you know, for the past 10 years, I've been helping people with jobs at the airlines, people that are unemployed. And I started interviewing people about aviation careers and flying, non-flying jobs. And in episode 10, I actually interviewed... Len and hey. Len Costa, our host here, and we talked about Len's upgrade to captain, and also he helped me answer some listener mails, uh, emails about aviation careers, and he uh, talked about, number one, the airplane, the Embraer 145, and flying the Embraer 145. Then, he, he Len, you did a great job talking about how to upgrade to captain, what you need to study, and how to prepare for the check ride, and then he went through the whole process 
of the actual check ride itself and getting ready and the training. It was a, a, a long interview, and I think I think people <laughs> would really really enjoy it because he, you know, that's what I think people want to hear: what actually happens behind the closed door in the simulator. What I saw colorfully described as being dragged through barbed wire in the nude. <laughs> That's how uh, painful the process uh, seemed at the time. Wow. Wow. And, and so there's, did, there's a teaser for that. Yes, it is. And it's aviationcareerspodcast.com slash 10, episode 10. Slash 10. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. You did a great job, Len. That was that was terrific, and uh, and I already have people chomping at uh, chomping at the bit to listen to it, and uh, it's going to be out there by the time this podcast is out. Awesome, yeah. I actually look forward to hearing it myself, and uh, since I haven't really been able to tell the story here on Stuck Mike, I think it'll be a great place for our listeners to go over and get that parallel and hear that uh, you know the the rest of that experience as well as my friends and family who don't necessarily uh, aren't necessarily involved in aviation. So it'll be good for them to have a chance to sit down and listen and hear all the trials and tribulations that went on with that. So very cool. Look forward cool, to that. Cool, cool. You know, the only disappointment, Len, is I, I don't have a picture of you with four bars on. You don't? No. no. I don't even have a picture with four bars yet. Well, you need to get one. You got to show I off do. those four bars there, I Len. Do. Well, I've been flexing them. I had to flex them okay. a couple of times while my last trip here. Some people weren't doing their jobs, so I had to go use those captain muscles. And Wow. Anyway, I know. Wow. So much. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway... Cool. Well, yeah, that's great. That's uh, that's out now, actually. Wonderful. Yep. So uh, the next on the announcement list is actually a very big announcement, a uh, atomic bomb of announcements. For those of you who've been following me um, over at thepilotreport.com, we've come to a, uh, a crossroads recently, a decision to sort of terminate the website, if you will. And uh, the decision actually comes from being able to spend time on thepilotreport.com and spreading my time evenly between there and stuckmikeavcast.com. And essentially what I'm going to be doing is, since I run both of those websites, is I'm actually going to be integrating them together. We're going to be merging the Pilot Report into the Stuck Mike Avcast to provide you, the listeners, a fuller, more uh, encompassing, what do I call it, an aviation community and aviation destination, all things... Uh, learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. And so, you know, on top of the podcast that we now do on the website, you'll start to see some of my previous uh, previous um, product reviews and other things like that bring, coming over to there, the usual news stuff that I share. And hopefully we can grow this community together instead of me growing them two separately. So that's going to be happening over the next couple of months. You'll see a lot of changes, a lot of new stuff being posted on Stuck Mike Avcast, also on our Twitter and Facebook page. And over time, slowly but surely, things at the Pilot Report will be will be winding down and eventually disappearing. So, I really think that it's going to be, uh, you know, I think it's going to be great experience for you listeners and for the folks who come to the website. And it's really, it's just going to be a, a you know a, a better, more rounded aviation experience. So. We look forward to that and uh, definitely look forward to your feedback as things progress. And I do ask for a little bit of patience because I'm really not sure how good it's going to go. It could be a complete <laughs> mess. <laughs> uh, no, I think we're all excited that, that this is happening in the sense that, you know, we get to grow with you one, you know, one really robust content set. And, right, uh, right. So, you know, this is going to be cool. Yeah, uh, it'll be great. So I look forward to that. And uh, that's going to be coming up here. Uh, Pretty soon. Now entering cruise flight. 
Well, cool. Well, let's uh, move on to what we've kind of hadn't had a chance in the last couple of shows to touch upon. Uh, Oshkosh has come and gone, as we all know. Victoria, Bob Toria, correction. Bob Toria was over at the uh, over at the show for the entire week. Victoria working the uh, the booth at AirPros, and Bob was actually um, sort of our photography liaison, taking photos for himself, but also sharing those here. With Stuck Mike Avcast, which I'm currently in the works of posting on the website. It's been a way big pain in the butt today trying to get all that stuff set up, but those are coming. So um, from Bob Toria, we'd love to hear finally your, you know, the Oshkosh progress report. All right, here goes nothing. Um, basically, Oshkosh was actually a different experience for me this year. I've often wondered if I made an impact being on the stuck mic or if it was worth my time, if people really wanted to hear what I had to say. And um, it was kind of uh, reaffirmed when I went to Oshkosh because I had at least 20 visitors stop by the Air, um, the Air Pros booth that have listened to me on the podcast and wanted to meet me and thank me for being on there and talk about how you guys rock a little as well. So um, just a shout out to all those who stopped by. I really appreciated it. I felt like a mini celebrity, um, especially to Chris from In the Pattern podcast. He uh, picked up some renter's insurance from me. And then uh, 12-year-old Thompson listens to us. Uh, I see him on Twitter quite a bit, too. And that is one bright kid. So the second he turns 16, I know he's going to get his pilot's Mm -hmm. license. Cool. That was really great. Um, Our trip did start off slightly shaky. Um, I'll let Bob kind of go into that. Oh, well, people are flown in Oshkosh. There's actually three different arrivals for fixed wing. Um, there's a turbine warbird arrival, which is kind of separate. And the other two arrivals are, are together. And there's a high speed and a low speed arrival. Um, they're separated by 500 feet. The low speed, you maintain 90. And the high speed, you maintain 135. Now, we are on the high speed uh, in the glass air. And if you've never done it before, you don't actually talk to any controllers and you fly into Oshkosh. They, they only talk to you and they try to call you just based on if they can tell your type, they'll say, you know, red high wing or, um, you know, blue vans or, you know, white glass air, if they can tell, or usually confused with a Lance air. And they kind of hand you off and you fly this visual pattern down these railroad tracks and they hand you off to the next sector and they clear you into the airport. Well, they cleared me into the airport and, uh, we're flying on downwind, and we never actually got a runway clearance to land, and they cleared the plane behind us to land. Um, so that was a little bit disturbing because uh, we were about ready to turn turn base there, and no one had told us we were allowed to land. Um, so I did chime in on the radio. They they missed me. Um, but the way they do it is they actually have three dots painted on the runway. So they cleared the, uh, the guy behind me to land, and they cleared me to land on the other dot. So it was really... If you've never seen it before, it's quite an experience to see multiple airplanes landing pretty much at the same time at three different places on the same runway. And it's almost like control chaos, but it, it usually does work out pretty well. So we do finally get on the ground and through our 20-minute taxi, the uh, airplane vapor locked from the heat and I couldn't start it again. We had to get towed to a camping spot, but eventually we did get all set up and it was, it was fine. Now, was that anything, that vapor lock, I don't know if that had any anything tied into the previous uh, sort of little mechanical malfunction you had trying to get over to Oshkosh in the first place? Yeah, we've been having a little bit of starter problems. That's why once we had the vapor lock, we couldn't get it restarted. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it wasn't related to the vapor lock. I swear we taxied probably all the way around the airport for about 20 minutes and the airplane just got so hot and um it it didn't want to start again mm. it was like forget this you've put me through so much and <laughs> yeah a lot of these tighter cowled airplanes that you know the fuel lines were very close to the engines and when they're running at very low power the fuel's not flowing fast enough to go through without turning into a vapor right if it gets turned into a vapor in the fuel line it pretty much won't start until that vapor condenses back into a fuel liquid fuel so and since this, the start was trouble anyway, we didn't even bother, and we just had the last uh, last couple hundred feet pulled behind a uh, a uh, gator. It was actually kind of funny looking because the gator had a rope tied it to it, and then the rope was tied to our tow bar. I was in the airplane <laughs> managing the brakes, making sure it was steering better, and then Bob was in the front guiding the airplane. And it was and uh, as the last. Uh, a last insult, the right before we got to the campsite, the rope broke and hit me in the face. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I laughed after making sure he was okay. <laughs> after, yes, always after. <laughs> wow. That sounds about as hillbilly as our, our tug operation in Alaska with the rope and the pickup truck and just tying it around the chassis and pulling. That's so. how it felt. And, you know, everyone <laughs> watches the parade of airplanes coming in. And so, you know, everyone's checking us out. It's Gator then Bob and then me like in the plane and it, it got a lot of looks but we always like to make a grand entrance I'm so sure we do I've saw, saw we can rednecify photos. it when we want <laughs> so the uh start but like I said starting back uh, a little bit back in Michigan you did have a little bit of aircraft trouble that was with the starter um yes that was Bob can tell you yeah, more about the solenoid a, a bad and... solenoid it wasn't making there were two problems the solenoid isn't making good contact and then the starter pinion gear wasn't engaging the ring basically was hitting the ring um but while i was at oshkosh one great thing about there is there's a parts tent about the size of a football field and they uh -huh. sell everything you could possibly want and i bought a brand new starter solenoid for 14 dollars, <laughs> which wow. you probably can't beat anywhere at that price now it's great. luckily he's an experimental playing right knows if we could have you know gotten a four that 14 dollar part would probably be like four thousand if it was a no certified. well i mean you know <laughs> they're selling everything there's even a, a serious um radio tray in there they have everything you could possibly want mm -hmm. and it's usually pretty cheap in there so did you do some surgery at oshkosh or did you wait no, home no, I, I worked on it when i got back to maryland gotcha so. So the trip started out as an adventure. Starter problems, vapor lock, that forgot about you in, in, the, in the traffic pattern. What, how, how'd the rest of the week go? Well, we are always an adventure, um, regardless of where we are. Um, I'm sure you all heard about the storm that happened. Yes. Uh, we did. I don't we know. Carl, Carl and Rick, you saw You hear about the storm? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was flying that day over Oshkosh. Oh, you were? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. I hope you weren't was, flying near the storm. It was, yeah, I went through it. Actually, it was horrible. It's Carl's we, aftermath. Yeah. Oh, you hear about that? Was, that. that was nuts, Ooh. dude. It was like, it, actually, we hit it right as it came towards Milwaukee. It went past Oshkosh and, and, Oshkosh and hit us, and we got rocked. I mean, just, just trying to control the plane was just nuts. So did we. Um, we were basically, um, Bob and I had just said our goodbyes. I was having lunch with some people, and it was one of those outdoor restaurants but it has the tent sides and we were watching the wind slowly pick up and before we knew it the rain just started downpouring and the tents flew in and all the chairs got sucked out and <laughs> um, i mean you couldn't see people were screaming 
and running to like the center of the area where it was like an actual building to take cover. And, um, I eventually, once it settled down, got out and just to see the destruction afterwards was kind of unbelievable. I wouldn't compare it to sun and fun since that was a tornado, but I believe it was confirmed that it was a microburst that hit us. And there was, what was it? A cement. Yeah. There were, there was these signs that they have around that. This one was a forum sign. And basically it's anchored with two 55 gallon drum size cement blocks probably weighs a couple thousand pounds and that blew over. Um, I was going back to the campsite and I saw this, it was a roll cloud actually. And I wanted to go get my camera and I was heading back to the booth where Victoria worked to get my cameras, take a picture of it. And it started and I ducked into one of the forums and eventually it started blowing and everybody kind of crowded up to the stage of the forum, which is where it was most substantial shelter. And everybody's crowded up in there and all the chairs blew out. And, um, all the tents in the campsites were flattened. Um, all the porta potties blew over. Um, so everyone was wondering how they're going to take a shower and uh, go to the bathroom. But I think there only were a few airplanes damaged. One of them was a, uh, a replica uh, Fokker uh, triplane or biplane that flipped over and smashed uh, somebody's very nice um, Thunder Mustang, mm-hmm. which is a 600 horsepower kit plane. And I'm sure that guy wasn't too happy that his. Uh, tie down lane next to him didn't do a very good job of tying his plane down but mm-hmm. um i did have a friend that was parked over um by one of the fbo's and she didn't check on her plane that thursday of the storm she went two days later and had discovered that it had made a complete 180 <laughs> it was perfectly fine but it broke free from one of the tie downs and was facing a d- different direction from where she parked it that wasn't lynn was it it was lynn oh no yeah <laughs> So she has a beautiful uh, Cessna and flipped right around. Luckily, it was just fine. Wow. But a little scary to come back and see that, I'm sure. Our yeah. tent was broken. Everything was uh, soaked. So we had it hanging out on the plane, all our sheets, all our pillows hanging out on the plane. And uh, we actually made it to the Flying Magazine video. I saw that. that. <laughs> yeah. So it was like you see the glass there on our tent and all our stuff hanging out. And we eventually had to go borrow a tent. Yeah, we borrowed a tent from somebody, uh, some friends that, that they don't have an airplane base at Oshkosh, but they, they pull their money and rent a hangar just to store their camping gear there for every year. Mm-hmm. So they had some extra tents. Speaking of extra tents, um, they had a lot of extra tents there because the number of people at Oshkosh this year was way down. I could even see it when I went over there, over to the North 40 to pick up the tent, that there was not as many people as there have been in the past. It was kind of disappointing. And my favorite part of the air show is always the warbirds. And I remember seeing it as a kid, and I did not know which way to look because there were so many planes in the sky at once. And how small it has gotten is just so sad to me because I used to not know which way to look. And now there's actually breaks in the show. You know, you'll have a formation, you wait a bit, and then there's another formation. I remember when there was like five or six formations going on at once. And then they have the huge um, wall of fire to close the show every year. And I think it was half the size. I don't know. Um, I know it's really expensive to run all those pyrotechnics and the economy might be the issue because here's your $2 million airplanes. They're expensive to run. Um, You need a lot of experience and training in them. And they're mostly flown by retired Richmond. So we must be running out of those too, but (laughs) 
Well, that's a darn shame. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of sad to see that happening. Yeah, my favorite part is um, is the air show. I I always enjoy it. I I don't have the experience that Oshkosh Victoria did, you know, going there since she was a kid. I've only been there. This is my second time. So I don't have that, you know, reference of what it used to be like. But I always like watching the air show. Um, just, just the level of flying that they have out there every day is is so impressive. Um, you know, they have the Kirby Chandless is amazing. They had um, uh, Matt Yunkin, who does a pretty amazing routine in a in a 1930s Beach 18, which is a, you know, good size twin engine uh, business type plane. They had, um, I'd like to see Kyle Franklin performing again. Um, I know he's rebuilding his, uh, his, uh, was it a Stearman or Waco? Waco. Waco. Yeah. They're rebuilding his, his old plane, but he was there doing a, uh, a comedy routine in a cub, kind of like one of those, uh, guy doesn't know how to fly and, you know, hops in a plane and starts doing crazy stuff in the cub, you know, bouncing off the tires. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was fun to watch. They also had the, the guy who lands a cub on the roof of a, of a moving van. Uh, they call that the redneck aircraft carrier routine. And, uh, for the first time this year, they actually ever they've had a uh, a current um, tactical fighter jet do a demo. They had an F-18 Hornet. Um, it's usually there's jets at Oshkosh, but they're always privately owned. You know, typically, uh, you know, L-39s or MiG-21s. This is the first time the military actually flew a a current fighter tactical fighter in the show, which was nice to see. Um, but I always enjoy watching uh, watching the air show. The the level of flying, the skill. You know, some of these performers has is just it's just amazing to seeing what they can do with some of these you know uh high level aerobatic airplanes like the edge or the extra you know or pits they can really do some pretty amazing pretty amazing maneuvers you know torque rolls hanging on the prop just you know end over end tumbles stuff that you, you wouldn't really ever see an airplane do and it's just always fun to watch that um since we're talking about aerobatics do you want to tell them about that cool new uh aerobatic biplane we saw yeah you know uh, victoria and i were going to talk about you know some of the, the new planes and technology we saw at oshkosh there was one i really kind of liked which was a lsa biplane um typically you don't really think of lsa's you know doing by bi, you know biplanes or, or not biplanes but aerobatic planes and this one it's it's not really meant for beginners it still kind of handles like a pits on the ground but if you want to fly lsa without a medical uh, and still want to do aerobatic type maneuvers. This is a nice plane. It's called a uh, Comet FK-12. It has a plus six, minus three um, G rating. Um, full span ailerons, which will give it a 300 degree a second roll rate. It stalls at 35 knots. Um, it's got a carbon and seal construction. It only weighs 660 pounds empty. So it's quite a good performer. And you can get it with several different engines, uh, inverted oil and fuel systems. And... Um, People are using it in competitions, and it's kind of nice to see another option in the LSA world for people who, who don't want to maintain a medical. It still can you know, do that kind of high-performance flying. Well, my plane didn't get to do things like that. That was my favorite, but the one I want to talk about does a little bit of everything else. Um, I learned about this from several of my coworkers who were just drooling over it, so I had to go see it for myself. It's made by Lisa Aircraft, and it's called the Akoya, I believe is how you pronounce it. It's A-K-O-Y-A. It can land on a runway. It can land on water, and it also has skis. Um, it's also an LSA, and the wings fold up. It's a wow. two-seater. Yeah? You like? Yeah, you yeah, like? 
All right. <laughs> um, some quick specs about the Koya is it can go up to 135 knots, which I think is the max for LSAs anyway. And it has um, 36 miles per gallon, which is about 1,000 miles on your trip. And uh, currently it's selling for about 300,000 euros, which is just under $370,000 U.S. But oh, this Hold on. Thing, can I ask a quick question? You said yeah. 36 miles per gallon? Mm-hmm. That's better than my car. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. I, I mean, if you look at the sleek design... Uh, you can tell that a lot of aerodynamic, you know, thoughts went into it. It's That's not awesome. like some boxy thing. This is meant to, you know, it's meant to last. It's meant to go far and it's meant to do anything. Well, I'm I mean, trading in my car then and I'm getting one of those. Who needs to drive yeah. places <laughs> like when you're a pilot? A lot of surfboard airplanes, you know, a lot of these experimentals, you can do a lot of new stuff that has been in cars for decades, like electronic fuel injection, you know, full, you know, authority, you know, FADEC basically. You can get these kind of things in an experimental that really can improve, you know, fuel consumption and engine performance that just haven't really mm. made their way into the, into the, you know, world of Cessna and Cirrus and Piper yet. Right. So that's one to keep your eye on. I definitely uh, think it's giving the Icon a run for its money. That's what it's been compared to, but the Icon doesn't have skis. Do you know how to spell the net, that name again? It's A-K-O-Y-A. It is, okay. Yeah, and it's by Lisa Aircraft. Very neat. So I, I highly recommend you check that one out. Um, Bob just mentioned awesome technology. There's one last thing that I thought was really neat that I'll have him explore. Yeah. There's a, um, you know, the, the X-Plane uh, flight simulator program? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the guy who developed that uh, thought he could make a better EFIS or a better, you know, avionics suite. So he actually started a company to develop his own avionics. And basically using the same kind of, you know, things he learned from, from X-Plane, he put into this avionics suite. And what he ended up with is something called Vertical Power VP400. And he's got a Lancer Evolution, which is a turboprop kit plane. Your favorite. Uh, yeah, and he, he installed this system in his Evolution. And what basically this thing does is if you look at their website, it's a verticalpower.com, and you look at the VP400, if you have an emergency, a lot of times ATC will tell you what the newest airplane or the, the nearest um, airport is, you know, through your, your position. And, but they don't take into account the runway, you know, length, the runway orientation. And what basically this system does is it takes all that into account and it knows how high you are. It knows where the runways are, how long they are, how they're oriented into the wind. It knows the current wind. Yeah, I was going to say, and, if it knows the wind as well, then it's going to make a different decision. In different yes. Yeah. And wow. what it does is, at all times, it constantly computes a, a emergency landing solution wow. based on your current altitude. And if you look at the website, you'll see that it actually will draw for you like a highway in the sky type boxes, yeah. all with all your spiraling descents to basically put you at runway threshold at the right speed, you know, at the right time at the most optimal runway. And it integrates to autopilots. It will fly it automatically. Wow. But what's so cool about this is, you know, we all seen these type of things on the, you know, G1000 or the, you know, the, the Avidine. This thing will actually take into account all that information to give you pretty much based on your, your present energy profile, it calls it based on how high you are, how fast you are, 
the best way to get down to you don't have to think about how many you know corkscrews I have to turn to get down to the runway. If you follow the boxes, it will put you right down there where you need to be. If you look at the website, they have some videos of it, mm-hmm. and it's just a really neat system. And uh, I've not seen it before in any other type of avionics, and I just thought it was really kind of cool seeing how they took this flight simulator technology and built some avionics that they put in their Revolution, you know, turboprop, and see the way it just works so well. Just getting them right down at the right speed, you know, without having to worry about making the right runway. That's a that's a total game changer. That's pretty great. That's I'm I'm looking at it right now, and that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, you just look at their website, and you know, they really have some neat videos of the system in use. And um, if there's no runway and gliding range, it will tell you that. But just the fact that not only does it tell you where the closest airport it is, it also takes into account runway length and right. um, orientation. And it will actually show you that little spiral you have to fly, that if you follow it, it will put you down you know, right at the threshold, at the right, at the you know, 1.3 you know, speed, right where you want to be. Just a really neat system. I wish I had that for my commercial check ride because you have to do that <laughs> you know, spiral to the land power off thing. Spiral totally makes it a no-brainer to do a power-off spiral. Are you saying you can't do that on your own, Victoria? Is this equivalent to you not being able to open a jar? Oh, come on. I, I rocked my commercial check ride. And sure. you know what? I rocked it when it was 99 degrees in that aircraft. So and I get double points for that one. I think you might get triple after the week. You're like a uh, commercial certificate marathon you had that I week, too. do it all in a week. Yeah. That was tiring. Oh, we, I remember the story. Well, um, a little bit more about Oshkosh. I guess we'll end it on the note that my true favorite part about Oshkosh is all the people we meet and I get to see again. You know, I get new friends. This is the only time I see certain friends from across the world. Um, I met with a bunch of Canadians that I usually like to hang out with. And my Women of Aviation Week pals, I met, finally got to meet this wonderful girl from Ghana who is one of the first women pilots in Ghana. And she's flying ultralight aircraft over there. But Bob met someone who we have met before. He just didn't realize it at the moment. Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. (laughs) I haven't heard, you know, it was the 75th anniversary of the Piper Cub. And there were just, as far as you could see, yellow airplanes all lined up in this field. I mean, the people flew in their Cubs. And I was walking, I took some pictures, you'll probably see them, um, all these Cubs. And I saw one Cub that kind of had a, a place of honor, um, you know, by the main walkway. And uh, I was taking some pictures of it. it. It was a unique Cub because it had a three-cylinder radial engine. Um, and... You know, I don't really know much about Cubs, and I was taking a picture of it, and and the guy with the plane comes over and asks if I can send him a copy of the pictures. And I get talking with him, and I said, you know, there's one at my home airport that has a similar marking on the nose. Uh, it's a Lenape Papoose. And I just happened to know it because I was taxing by it when I was going to get fuel before we went up to Michigan for the wedding. And he's, he sounds really interested, and he says, really, you know, well, there's only two of these airplanes in the whole country. Uh, where was that? And I said, oh, and Frederick. And he says, oh, this is, this is that airplane. <laughs> so uh, he's actually hangered <laughs> directly across from me at the end of the row. And I taxied by him, and um, I saw his plane. I, I, never, I didn't realize who it was. And it's actually owned by Victoria's um, eye doctor. <laughs> so it's just kind of a funny story that you know, I ran to this, this airplane. I didn't even recognize it was you know, from my <laughs> hangar row. 
in his defense, they were all yellow. So, you know, sure. <laughs> that is hard. But he, the, the gentleman, uh, the owner of the aircraft, you know, came up to me later and was like, I know you just got married. Do you know how I know that? <laughs> and he proceeded to tell me the whole story. And I was like, well, I would have recognized you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just just the people you meet. And Oshkosh is really a world of its own. So I highly recommend anyone who has never been there. You have to do it at least once. And once you go once, you're going to keep on going. You know, it's not just an air show. or It's not just like a convention where you look at airplanes. There. They publish a schedule every day, and there are literally hundreds of things to do. Um, there's forums. You can learn how to weld. You can learn how to do a cloth covering. You can you can go to presentations. Uh, the last Oshkosh, I went to a great presentation by some U-2 pilots uh, who were talking about flying the U-2 and uh, some of the you know things you don't really hear about, basically like uh, how they go to the bathroom while they're flying the U-2. And, and there's all kinds of really interesting things that you can learn and listen to and it's just really it's a great experience um you know to share with your your fellow aviators i like that for like the, the the family experience like you get to go see all your aviation friends you haven't seen in a while and you know people from all over the country all over the world kind of pour into one location you get to spend a week with all your best buddies it's a fun experience very true. And you can see, you know, in one place you can see all kinds of airplanes that you would typically never see. Mm -hmm. They're all there in one place. And, um, like, we, they saw all the Cubs. It was just really cool to see 150 Cubs all parked together in the same field. Cool. I saw a couple of those photos. I saw yours and some other folks had that similar photo of the uh, the sea of yellow Cubs. It was amazing. Yeah, it was pretty pretty astonishing. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they always get, you know, interesting people come in, you know, and I, I know this year the, the current administrator or the FAA flew in. Uh, actually, I saw his plane leave. The tail number was N2. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, um, George Lucas was there with some Tuskegee airmen and they introduced um, a screening of Red Tails. Um, last last year they uh, showed uh, just a, a trailer, um, but they actually had a whole movie this year. And that was cool to see them talk about, you know, their experience. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a bunch of Tuskegee Airmen there. There, I think um, John Travolta came in. Oh, John Travolta came and he like invaded a wedding. Someone was having a wedding near Oshkosh, <laughs> and he went to that and like went to order a drink. And she's like, "No, this is for the wedding reception. People only like the bartender wouldn't give John Travolta a drink." <laughs> so that was that was pretty funny. I was like, "She's got guts." So I was like, John Here, Travolta. Take it all. There's, a, there's a, a Hilton Hotel right at the airport edge and uh in the in the yard of the hilton hotel there was a, a citation jet parked mm -hmm. um which had the tail number belonging to um barry hilton so he probably built that hotel there just so he could park his plane and you know, go to Oshkosh. <laughs> if i had money i would do it too so it's just always a neat a neat experience and the people that come and it's really just a great thing you have a question carl yeah actually going back to your flying in i i just thought of something you guys were you mentioned some dots that you followed to come in. Uh, there's, I guess, a lot of people have never flown in. How, how does that work? I mean, what there's do they do? There's a couple do? different points. The dots were for landing. There's colored dots that they clear you to land on, but it all starts from different points. Yeah, what they do is, I mean, you can go download the NOTAM online and you can read how it works, but you hit... Um, Ripon. Yeah, Ripon, which is a town, but it also is a GPS waypoint near there. And, you know, you're supposed to fly to there, and that's maybe 15 miles from the airport, and you fly along these railroad tracks. And you have to be above um, the railroad tracks. You have they to be above, to yeah. If you follow the GPS, um, it will, uh, you know, take you to the next uh, 
you know, too far off. So basically just follow those tracks and you listen for the kind of vague descriptions of your airplane uh, when the controllers see you. So then they tell you what dot to land on? And no, from there they'll say that they see you and clear from the railroad wings. tracks. They tell you to rock your wings. Yeah, you rock your wings so they know that you understood that you're the airplane being talked to. And then they'll clear you into the airport. From there, they'll clear you to land and tell you what color dot to go on to. Yeah, they'll say, like, you know, white glass air, you know, uh, blue dot. So you have to land on the blue dot. And uh, typically each dot is 3,000 feet. But they'll be bringing in multiple airplanes simultaneously landing on the same runway. It's a really a unique thing that you don't see anywhere else. It's okay. helpful to have someone else with you. I read the NOTEM while he flew, and I also looked out for other airplanes because as he's as we mentioned earlier, the um, controller didn't see us, so he cleared someone else. So that could have been an issue. And, I mean, I wanted to take pictures because there was jet formations flying over us as we were coming in. But there's so much going on. You do really have to be on your best. Um, you don't want to go around because that causes more problems. Um, you really have to be on your best and looking out for other aircraft around you. It's, there's an audio feed of that. Carl, that's and just you know, if you're not there or you're not mm -hmm. flying yourself, that's fascinating to listen to because the only people talking generally are the controllers because no one talks. Where's and, the audio? Oh, it's a fee. I'm, I forgot. It it's I think on their on the website. That and usually usually through live ATC as well. Yeah, I mean, and so I sat listening to this, and it's just very cool to see them talk to you know, and then occasionally they'd hear from someone, and the stream you're listening to and envisioning is amazing. And then they have it on; they have video as well. But it's, fast. it's, it's the world's busiest airport for that week, and uh, the controllers that they bring in are very experienced controllers, and they really have to be because of this this environment. It's something like you wouldn't even see at at JFK, you know, during rush. It's just it's just wild to to listen to it. And most people are on top of it. Some are not. And uh, you can always tell someone didn't read the NOTAM uh, that wants to talk on the radio because there's so much traffic you can't talk. It just has to be all one-way conversations. Well, that's cool. What if someone needs like 6,000 feet? How do they know that to land? They, they know because there's different areas for certain different type of aircraft to go. So if you need 6,000 feet to land, you're not going to yeah, be you'll with the Cessnas. You'll come in on the turbine arrival, but uh -huh. you know everybody else comes in on the, the high and low-speed Fisk arrival, and it's just a, it's pretty busy. But you can, you know, if you need a longer, you can always request it. They're not going to tell you no, but generally they, they just try to keep it one way. Right. Wow, cool. Awesome. So it must, and then getting off the runway and all, it just, it, it seems like a busy airport, like a, an O'Hare or something like you, that. You turn off immediately onto the grass. Right. They want you off the runway ASAP. Mm -hmm. So yeah. as soon as you can turn off onto the grass, they put you off the grass and they marshal you to where you're going. You hold up a sign, actually in your cockpit telling them where you want to park and they direct you from there. Wow. It's okay. intense. It's intense, yeah. but it's awesome. It's funny because I was watching, uh, actually after some of our, uh, you, you guys know who I'm about to mention, but I'm not going to mention their name for uh, anonymity purposes, but one of our mutual friends mentioned on Facebook is like, listen, folks, if you're going to fly to Oshkosh, learn how to hold your airspeed at 90 knots, for God's sakes. Don't be a hack. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, that's why we, we like that. The higher arrival, you get a little more. You can do 135 up there. It's a little more room to play. Yeah. So can you can you touch upon maybe, you know, some things you guys have gone in there a few times for folks, the listeners that haven't ever been in there? What are maybe some tips or uh, tricks that might help them? train or prepare aside from printing off the note and package or reading through that maybe that's one thing but you know what other things might help them prepare 
uh, for the arrival if they ever go in, in, in coming years. The Notum is your Bible. Um, have tabs marked on it, highlight important frequencies. Things are different for different runways, and you don't always know what to expect when you're flying in. You're not, you could be not sure what runway they're going to land you on. And when we were coming in, it was slightly slower than usual, so they were just asking a few people. Some people got the choice of which runway. So be ready to expect the unexpected and, you know, to flip to that next page. So you want to memorize that thing. Yeah, the best thing really is, you know, they don't, they won't provide flight following within 70 miles of Oshkosh. Um, but, you know, when you're coming in, if you're coming in VFR, which is pretty much the easiest way to come in, IFR, you need a, a reservation. If you're coming in VFR, listen to the frequencies when you're 30, 40 miles out. Um, you know, listen to the, um, the ATIS and it'll tell you what the current arrival procedure is. And, you know, read over it. And uh, you really just have to read the NOTAM. Um, just kind of take a listen of what's going on. And if it's too busy, they actually have VFR holding they'll push you into. We, we haven't had to do that yet. Um, because we did we, in Sun and Fun. We did Sun and Fun. But yeah. at Oshkosh, we've always arrived at times where it wasn't as busy. Um, typically after the air show, it's very busy. Or, um, you know, in the morning, the airport is closed for about six hours every day. Um, for the right during show. the air show, yeah. 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 So pretty much when the airport reopens, there's a rush of airplanes in and out. And in the evening, it's about two and a half hours before they close it again for the night. So that's always kind of a busy time. The morning's a little bit less busy because there's more hours. But you really just have to yeah, pretty much expect the unexpected and just be on top of your flying. Because mm -hmm. it's really, there's, there's been stories of people who have uh, crashed on takeoff because they weren't paying attention and they stalled. I think there was a, a Lancer Legacy that... He was messing with his canopy because it popped open and he crashed. So you just have to really just, you know, number one, fly the airplane, but, you know, keep your eye out for other planes because there's no radio arrival procedures. There's a seaplane base nearby. There's a separate helicopter arrival. Uh, there's ultralights. It's really just, it's wild. It's also good to note that you need to stay on top of your game when you're leaving as well. There's a whole separate procedure for leaving the airport. And we were both on the runway at the same time with another aircraft and they could clear you together they could clear you at uh -huh. separate times so when you're leaving you got to follow those note those directions yeah they'll atc too. will actually line two airplanes up on the runway one on the left side one on the right side and uh, they'll depart them at the same time and just tell them to keep clear of each other or depart them a few seconds apart really just the separation you know requirements have been waived you know, that the faa normally has in place right. to allow this kind of stuff i was really mad though when we took off i um a Mustang took off just before us. I really wanted to be next to it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you guys, you pulled off and you went into the grass and then you parked somewhere. I know you had those trials and tribulations parking there. Did you, you guys camped and everything? Is that what you yeah. did? Or? Oh, we, cool. we camp right by the aircraft. That's really the best way to get fully immersed in Oshkosh. The only problem with camping there is when, you know, microbursts ruin your tent. And right. then also, um, you don't have access to a car. So if you get sick of the food around there, we go to um, Friar Tucks quite a bit, which is near the North 40. And then there's like the beer tents. So you're kind of stuck walking everywhere, but we did pretty well. There's a lot of walking. You know, there, there's the beer tent has a pretty good band that plays. And that's, you know, probably 10 minute walk from the airport. And um, even people who live near the airport set up bars in their front yard just to make extra money. Nice. And um, <laughs> Friar Tucks is a restaurant that's right outside the fence that people go to. But you really can if you want stay the entire time at the airport uh there's buses that will take you to the to uh the supermarket if you want to buy food and target yeah oh, and there's, cool. there's you know there's guys camping there and 
in King Airs and Pilatus and, you know, pretty big airplanes that are just right out there with the Cessnas camping and everybody kind of, you know, camps in the same place. If you're flying a, you know, $5 million Pilatus or a 152, everybody's kind of in the, in the same field. It really, you know, is a, you know, kind of a nice experience just to be with all those different people. Well, it was really There's, cool. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's also people that fly into um, smaller airports to avoid the Bagash cash yeah, I've rush. Seen that. And then they rent RVs or come over to Camp Scholar and camp in a tent. So there's so many options. Yeah. So that's what you mentioned Camp Scholar. And last year was the first time that uh, it's technically the second time I've been to Oshkosh. I went to Oshkosh back way back when in college. Uh, we were passing through a friend and I of mine who actually he's from Wisconsin, lives in the area. We went there for the day. But last year was the first time that I went there for a couple of days at a time. I did the camping experience. I spent time in Camp Scholar. And it was cool because I never really knew what went on with regards to, you know, they got bathhouses with toilets and showers. And they have little Wi-Fi internet houses with, uh, you know, little setup basically um, like with desks and access to Wi-Fi. And then they have their own little supermarket there in Camp Scholar where you can go in and get basic stuff. And it was kind of cool. Like you you don't have to leave the premises unless you really want to. Like you said, sometimes you just get tired of being there and you need to get a, get away for a little bit. But uh, I was really surprised at how cool, um, you know, how just basically how every almost everything you need has been thought out they 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 do it what what is the good the term it's a tourist trap they do a good job of keeping you from wandering too far away yeah len well if you came in in a warbird you'd have an entirely different experience we call it the country club they're next to home built camping <laughs> and all the guys with the mustangs and the p47s and all the world war ii fighters uh they all have their little world war ii encampment over there with you know live 1940s type music yeah and uh, real tense, and it's kind of a whole different experience. And they even have it fenced off; you can't even walk through there. I'm not surprised. Warbird I'm... security. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're too cool for us. Too cool for school. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I have too much bloody money. It's okay. So you... We don't mind. So Victoria, you see all you those guys Mustangs in the same place? You know, they're oh, all, yeah. all in the line. It's really just a, you know, they all come there. All their own, which is kind of cool. They all do it on their own money. The guys that do the Warbird show, you know, they don't get any anything for it it's all okay fun. okay you know they pay for it themselves you know I, I just thought of something victoria you were you were talking about you camp there but you were actually working too right you were yeah, you were it, actually working a booth there for can you mention the name of the yeah or, aviation insurance resources no. <laughs> where have i heard that name before yeah <laughs> it's just so brand new no it's it's <laughs> it's interesting the only thing that sucks about camping and having to go to work is on days where, you know, you slept on wet sheets or, you know, doing my hair is not as good. So I'm meeting clients and I'm not looking my best, but, <laughs> you know, they love it when I tell them I'm camping. I'm the only one camping and all my, you know, coworkers are staying in the dorms. So, you know, I'm the one roughing it. And You're living, it. experiencing it Oshkosh is. at it its is. finest. So what's it's it like being a vendor there? I mean, you must have been like really busy and was it tough to get space and stuff? Um... You know, last year we were really busy. This year we we were busy, but you could tell that the amount of people coming into the like vendor areas, the indoor ones, it's it's just astonishing how much mm -hmm. slower it was. Was um, that because the weather was better? Maybe yeah, I was no, wondering I about think, that. I think the whole Oshkosh attendance was down. I mean, just from last year, it's a big difference. I mean, luckily we we can keep busy, and we have people who know how we are and. 
like come see us because they see us every year. But it was definitely definitely a change. So I, I hope I hope next year the numbers go up again, the economy turns around, and people come. That would be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Have we blabbed enough for you about this amazing adventure that Oshkosh is? Well, I'm sad I missed out. Yeah. We missed you guys. A lot of people came up and were like, well, there's Victoria. Where's the other one? Where's the rest of the gang? Yeah. I wish I could have been. I was supposed to be there, but got stuck. Me too. Yeah, I got stuck because of a thunderstorm. I think think next year, there are a lot of people that, you know, in the podcast world who didn't get there. So I'm thinking next year is going to be going to be big attendance from this area anyway. Mm -hmm. That'd be good. We should plan on it. Oh. What was did, what did they do for the podcasters? With oh, like they do, a pot of blues? Yeah, they do a pot of palooza, which which um, I, I don't think it's the full. Everybody talks on stage. I think it's I think it's interviews and then they repackage mm-hmm. it. I don't know. Right. But they do have an event. Yeah, it's that that part's cool. Yes, a very exciting social event. Yes. With I whining missed it this and year, but last year was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should try to all go next year. If we can, I almost well. Here's yeah. here's here's the the quick uh, twenty five cent story. I had uh, picked my vacation week for two thousand twelve. One of my many vacation weeks, as it sounds like I never work. But anyway, nice. um, I had picked one of my many vacation weeks in two thousand twelve to be Oshkosh. Of course, this was before I ended up going through captain training, so that sort of superseded what was happening with Oshkosh. But with a couple of Scheduling delays because the simulator broke a few times. It turned out where I actually ended up finishing on Monday of Oshkosh week. No, excuse me, Sunday of Oshkosh week. And then they were trying to reschedule me for the last simulator. And they're like, yeah, dude, we don't know when we're going to have this for you. So I was like, all right, peace out. I'm leaving town. I've been here in Texas for six weeks and I need to get out of town. So I went to San Diego. And I was going to stay there until Wednesday. And Wednesday morning, I was going to fly to Oshkosh and stay there till Friday. Well, I get away. I wake up on Tuesday morning. I have a phone call that I have to be back in the simulator on Thursday. And I was like, you sons of guns. Ruined my dang plans. So <laughs> I almost made it, even though I was supposed to be busy. And then I still had to I still had to skip. But I hope to be there for next year. I really do. I love it. I love going there. Um, shoot, I think I'm going to try. I'd like to go to both Sun and Fun and... Uh, Oshkosh next year. They're just they're too much fun to not go to. But sun and fun. Some people will be there. Yes. That's the next event. The next biggie. The next biggie coming up yeah. again in another six months. Victoria, Bob, you guys going to be there? Um, we're talking about maybe alternating. Uh, I don't think I'll make it to Oshkosh next year, but... It was funny. His son of fun was one of our first dates. Um, That's the reason we met. Yeah. We actually were watching the fireworks, and she she nudged me, and I I rolled off the airplane wing and fell on the ground. <laughs> it was so romantic. <laughs> I, I laughed at him, and then I was like, "Oh shoot, is he like a sensitive guy? Did I just ruin his manhood?" So it was great. <laughs> he fell. He fell. Oh good. And there you go. And you know, whatever the story goes. Now we're married. Now you're married. Now you're married. Now you're stuck with her, Bob. So you're gonna have to stay. You're gonna have to put up with all that nudging. You're not stuck with me, are you? Yeah, I just need you to get your CFI so I can get my commercial. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get go on mo- it. The band has motives. <laughs> to get for free. Used and abused. Oh, great, wonderful. Well, that's awesome. I really appreciate you guys sharing the Oshkosh experience with us and some and the listeners that didn't get a chance to make it out there. Our picks of the week. Well, let's move on as we're getting into the top of the hour here. Move on over to our picks of the week. And uh, since we've been 
listening to Bob Toria for a while. Let's uh, transition over to Rick and hear about your pick of the week. Yeah, my pick of the week um, is an app, and uh, I think it's just in iOS, but I haven't. I don't know that for sure. It's uh, it's called Aviation Weather, simply enough, a- Aviation WX, and um, it is basically an app that takes advantage of what is the mobile version of AviationWeather.gov. Um, so basically, it's a repackaged. Uh, version of that data that is um, that I think comes up when you go to that website from a browser, but it's packaged uh, into an app form. And um, you know, there's for me, there's nothing breakthrough about it necessarily, but I just like that it's sort of it's new and it and it is tapping into what um, oh. yeah what what they're trying to do with that site. So uh, so it's Aviation WX is what it's called. Cool. Yeah. Well, Carl, your um, your pick of the week is actually a weather related one as well. Yeah, imagine that. Actually, this I really like this app. It's called uh, My Radar, and uh, by Aviation Data Systems. And I've got a bunch of different weather apps, but I I really like this one. And I'll tell you why. It it it's free, but if you want to get rid of like the ads, you have to pay extra. And then if you want to get the national weather warnings, you have to pay extra. And then if you want a hurricane tracker, you have to pay extra. But their hurricane tracker is really cool. And that's kind of the reason I got it, actually, was for the hurricane tracker. Plus, when I'm sitting at an airport, I just hit the center button, and it, it shows where I am. And then I can I can zoom out or zoom in to see my route of flight and if I'm going to ha- run around, you know, have to get around weather because, you know, we don't have XM weather in the plane I fly every day. So I can actually kind of take a picture of that. And have a good idea as, hey, should I go north of this city? Should I go mm-hmm. south? And actually, one of the, my favorite features, again, is is the hurricane warnings. Because I actually used it the other day. I'm sitting there, and it, it goes, ee, ee, ee. And then I'm like, oh, tropical storm warning. Honey, we got to move this stuff off the floor. <laughs> and, you know, so we started moving all this stuff off the floor to get ready for the, you know, the tropical storm coming mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that was one of my favorite things about the app. And then, of course, you can share it with other people. Well, that's kind of cool, too. Oh. But, uh, yeah, it, it's called uh, My uh, My Radar, and it's fast. That's the other thing I like to do. It's pretty quick, and it loops. It's I don't, I don't know. It's just something I like to use it. You know, there's so many weather apps out there. It's just it's it's friendly to me. <laughs> so now I thought you were going to say your favorite function was the 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 GPS center on me because not only do you want to know where the weather is, but because you don't know where you are. <laughs> you know, that is part of it, too. In the morning when I wake up in a city, I don't know where I'm at. I hit the center <laughs> button and it actually shows me exactly where I am. I did want to admit that, Len, but thanks. 3.45 in the morning, <laughs> roll card, the alarm clock goes off, Carl rolls over, wipes the dust out of his eyes, and he's like, God, where the hell, where the hell am I? <laughs> oh, my God, this, it's Savannah again. This isn't Florida. What? Yeah. <laughs> is this an episode of, uh, what's that show? Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Is this like an episode of Groundhog Day? <laughs> Gosh, why am I still here? Yeah, it is good for that, though. It does find you if you're lost. <laughs> if, if you were lost, but that could no. be a tricky thing. Um, well, it's funny because you guys both had an aviation uh, weather app. Mine pick of the week isn't an aviation weather app, and I'd like to just throw another app in there for giggles, and that is um, just this last week I was looking for, similarly, a radar application. I didn't necessarily care about METARs and TAFs and all that stuff because we get that in our dispatch release at work as far as all the, the related weather. But I want to know, like Carl does, where uh, where is the weather? What does the radar look like? I actually ended up downloading a different application called High Def Radar. It's a universal application on the iOS device, so 
You pay $1.99 and it works both on your iPhone and your iPad. And one of the, it's very similar to the application actually that Carl was just mentioning, except some of the features, I th from what I gather, some of the features that you may pay for in, in Carl's app, some are included in this one and vice versa. So uh, for me, this is the one I just downloaded a few days ago and it worked for me, uh, it worked for me in my first trip, my first captain trip, figuring out where the weather was. So um, that's just another weather application. But on to my actual pick of the week and another one. You see what happens when you upgrade to Captain? You have to, you have, you like, you need weather apps, you need uh, extended batteries for your phone, you got all kinds mm. of extra duties here. So, uh, you know, what I found out is I'm looking at the weather a lot, I'm calling dispatch, I'm talking to maintenance, and my, my iPhone, my beloved iPhone, believe it or not, the battery won't last throughout the day now because I'm doing so much, I have so much more activities that I'm doing on the phone. So, I'm looking on the over the weekend. I'm looking to see, you know, what can I get? What can I do? And I, you know, I'm very familiar with a company called Mophie, and Mophie makes what's referred to as a juice pack, and it's basically an iPhone case that you slip your iPhone into. That's actually an external battery. They have three different kinds. One of them is uh, 1,500 milliamps. Uh, another is 2,000, and the the one that I picked up here, it's called the Mophie Juice Pack Pro. It's actually a 2500 milliamp battery case and what that means is the iPhone 4S here with Siri is a 2000 milliamp battery so the battery pack that I have is 2500 which means I get a 100% complete charge of my iPhone and then about another I don't know 30 or 40% out of it so I was driving around playing with this thing yesterday it's a little bit bulky compared to the iPhone to be absolutely honest with you to, to, to its natural form but I was playing around with the phone, I'm streaming audio, and I intentionally killed my phone. I had started at 100% at the beginning of the day. I drove it all the way down till it literally died and powered off. And I turned the charge button on. In this case, it's charged it all the way up to 100%. I ran it down to 48% and then hit the charge on the case again, and it brought it up to like 78 or, or 80. So I got about, like I said, a, a, a one complete charge and about another 30 or 40% charge out of it. So it's really cool. It's called the Mophie Juice Pack, and it's uh, it's some of the other functions of it are it's um, it's it's mil spec, mil standard 810G. So it's vibration and shock resistant, splash and rain resistant, sand and dust resistant, and it's impervious to impacts and drops. Like I said, it's a little bit bulky, but it does come uh, it does come with a belt buckle, and it will get you uh, for those flyers out there using mobile devices if you're looking for something. I just picked this up. I've been using it for three days now, and so far so good. Actually, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to keep it. So that's my pick of the week: the Mophie Juice Pack Pro. Uh, going to uh, fishing up here with Victoria, part, half of the Bob Toria crew. Victoria, tell us about your pick of the week. Well, I can make this short and quick. We just talked about Oshkosh, so I want to talk about the EAA uh, Air Venture app. You can download. Um, it basically has maps, it has the schedule, it has a whole directory, so when you get lost, like I often do there, you can find where you are and where you need to go, so it's very helpful. I highly recommend, if you have a smartphone, at Oshkosh to uh, pick that up. Did you, uh, did you use it on your Android device by chance? Yes, I did. Okay, so it is universal as far as uh, Android and iPhone, because I've seen it on iPhone and iPad. I think actually I used it on my iPad last year. Yep, it's it's definitely on Android. Cool. Like all apps should be. Like all apps should be. <laughs> I like my Droid. I like my iPhone. What up now? 
My droid's better than your iPhone. I don't know about that. I'll thumb wrestle you for it. Um, okay, kids. I, I got long fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry. No, no, no. Go. <laughs> Ready, set, oh, attack. Done now. <laughs> I don't want to be put in a corner. If the listeners could only see <laughs> the behind the scenes that go on between <laughs> Baby does not want to be put in a corner. <laughs> oh, excellent. Cool. The after landing checklist. Well, uh, then let's just wander on to our critical time of the show with the sharing of the information, and we'll start with Rick. How can folks get in touch with you, stalk you, and visit you online? Uh, RFelty on Twitter, RDFelty on YouTube, and rotationspeed.com. Victoria. Uh, check me out at toriaflies.blogspot.com. And, uh, well, hey, Bob's there. Bob's got a website. Bob, tell us about your website real quick. Where can folks Bob's stick out their aviation Bob's making me chicken nuggets. Photos. He left. He ran away. Uh, he said tvuplink.net. tvuplink.net. Go to uh, tvuplink.net, click on gallery, and you can see a lot of Bob's aviation photos. He's a, a you know, not just because I know Bob, but he is a very excellent photographer, and you'll enjoy his photos. He does a great job, and uh, that's where he shares his his images. And especially a uh, big thank you to Bob again for uh, taking photos on behalf of the Stuck Mike Avcast over at EA Oshkosh 2012. And like I said, we'll be sharing those on the website here uh Actually, by the time the show's out, hopefully the uh, the pictures are up. I hope it doesn't take me two weeks uh, to to get them. But he says you're welcome. <laughs> oh, by the way, Bob, I want some chicken nuggets too, buddy. Len wants chicken nuggets. <laughs> he said he'll mail you one. Sounds about right. Sounds like mailing that cake to Andrew Blanchard last uh-huh. on the last episode. Right. Delish. You got a mailing food fetish. Anyway, <laughs> oh, Carl, tell us how can folks get in touch with you, including uh, a reminder of your new podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm actually, the best way to get in touch with me is expertaviator.com. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. And also, uh, with my new podcast, just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com. I'm also on Facebook with that. And Twitter, it's Flying Careers. So those are the two ways you can get in touch with me. Cool. And even though at the beginning of the show I did make an announcement about the pilot report being sort of dwindled away and rolled into Stuck Mike Avcast, you can still, of course, visit the website, participate in what's going on with the merger of, uh, you know, two great aviation powers coming together to work at a common goal, a common interest. Thepilotreport.com also on uh, Facebook and Twitter. So for myself, Len Costa, uh, Victoria, and Bob Zyko, Newville Zyko, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, we all thank you for tuning in to episode number 31 of the Stuck Mike Avcast and wish you guys clear skies and calm waves. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Avcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Avcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa production.